What does the command to make disciples look like for you practically? What opportunities around you can you take advantage of to make disciples? Welcome to Radical with David Platt. For more gospel-centered resources from David Platt, you can visit us over at our website, Radical.net. In today's message, David Platt helps to define the heart of the church's mission, disciple-making. Christ's command in Matthew 28, 18-20 was not given to a select few, but rather to the entire church. In light of Jesus' authority, every disciple is to share the word, show the word, teach the word, and for the glory of God, serve the world. Here's David continuing the Mission Precision series with a sermon titled, Defining Disciple Making, from Matthew 28. If you have a Bible, and I hope, I hope you do, let me invite you to open with me. Find Matthew chapter 28. So this is the fourth message in a series of key terms and definitions when it comes to mission and our purpose in this world. So we started by looking at the gospel. What is the gospel we believe that changes our lives for all of eternity? Then we looked at evangelism and conversion. Uh, So how do we make this gospel known to other people and how do people become followers of Christ, which then led to looking at what a disciple is. Fundamentally, a follower of Jesus who's been transformed from the inside out, who's being continually transformed by the work of Christ in them. And we left the last message, uh, share a story about how uh, the president of the International Mission Board, uh, two uh, predecessors before me, uh, actually talked me out of becoming a missionary. And, uh, and in the process, helped me realize that just because you have a passion for the spread of the glory of God and the gospel among the nations, that doesn't mean you should be a missionary. That means you're a Christian. And uh, every follower of Christ should be passionate, should be zealous for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth, should be driven by a desire for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is what it means to be a disciple, to want to see the gospel go to all people, and as a result, to be committed to making disciples. So we saw in the last message how every follower of Jesus is a fisher of men, how every disciple of Jesus makes disciples of Jesus. That disciple-making is not an optional command for a select few people in the church. That disciple-making is for every follower of Christ, the Christ-commanded, spirit-empowered duty of every disciple to evangelize unbelievers, to proclaim the gospel to people who don't know Christ, to see them baptized in the church, to teach them to obey everything Christ has commanded us in order that they might then join in making disciples and doing the same thing in other people's lives until the nations are reached with the gospel. So that's what we're going to talk about in this message. I want us to think about what it means to make disciples. So if I were to ask you to write down right now, so how do you, how do you make disciples? What, what would you write down? What are the things that come to your mind uh, initially when it comes to disciple making? What, is, what does that look like in your life? What has it looked like in the past? Or maybe you'd say, I don't, I don't know if I ever really have made a disciple. And this is where I want to encourage you. I mean, this is the command that Jesus has given to all of us as his followers God has told us as his children, go and make disciples. Like We don't want to get to the end of our lives to look back and say, I, I didn't do the one thing you 
commanded me to do in the great commission, what you left me on the earth to do. I mean, God, if it was just to know him, could take us to be with him right now. Instead, he's left us here in a world of sin and evil and injustice. And he's left us here for a reason. He's he's given us a mission. And that mission is to make disciples. So how do we do that? And this is where I want us to look at the specifics of that Great Commission in Scripture. So we looked at this text a little bit in the last message. I want us to pick back up Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, and just think for a few minutes. Try to boil it down. What is the essence of what it means to make disciples? Matthew 28, 16 says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, here it is, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right. I want us to think uh, about, about four real commands that are at the core of what it means to make disciples, how this plays out practically in our lives. But even before we dive into those four commands, I want us to realize that what Jesus says in the very beginning of this passage is so significant. When he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he's, he's telling us a reality that will compel us to give ourselves to these commands that are at the core of disciple-making. He's telling us, so all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He is saying that he is Lord over everyone and everything. And by this point, he had lived a perfect life. He died the death you and I deserve to die on the cross and he is risen from the dead in victory over sin. He's about to ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God. And he says, I have authority over everything in heaven and on earth. So he is Lord. What had been prophesied, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, is reality. He has sovereign dominion and authority over all rulers and people and nations everywhere, which is a good reminder right now just to realize Jesus is Lord over everything, that he is king, sovereign, with dominion, with power over all people, over all rulers, over all kings in the world, all presidents, all nations. He holds them in the palm of his hand. And he is leading and guiding all of human history toward the end when Revelation chapter 7 tells us every nation, tribe, tongue, and people will gather around his throne and give God glory through him. What does Philippians 2, 9 through 11 say? One day every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So sometimes people will say to me, you know, I, I th I've came to this point where I've decided to make Jesus Lord of my life. And you might hear that. Whenever you hear that, just realize, actually, that person really didn't have a choice in the matter. Um, you don't choose to make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord regardless of whether or not anybody chooses to make him Lord. The question is, will we bow the knee to his lordship now, or will we bow the knee to his lordship when it's too late? He is Lord. That is a fact, which means, so think about that in our lives, that means he's Lord over our lives, which means our, our lives are his to direct, to determine where we go, how we live, what we do. 
He's Lord over us. This is why we talked about this in the last message, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is, is you've died yourselves and you're surrendered yourself to Him as Lord. We have, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, surrendered the right to determine the direction of our lives. He, he determines where we live, how we live, what we do. And so I would just encourage, before we even dive into disciple-making, for each one of us to realize, so we've been commanded to make disciples, and He could lead us to do that in all kinds of different ways. And He could lead us to stay right where we live. He could lead us to go to another part of the world. He's led some of you to go to another part of the world. And He could lead any one of us to go to another part of the world to join. But that's His call to make, not our call. Our lives are His to determine how we live. He is our Lord. But here's the deal. He's not just our Lord. He has all authority in heaven and earth. He means, that means He's Lord over everyone. He's Lord over every people group, every country, every nation in the world. And there's a lot of people, a lot of nations, a lot of people groups that are not bowing the knee to Jesus as Lord. And this is why we do mission as followers of Christ. Because we know Jesus is Lord. And we want to proclaim Him as Lord all over the earth. We want to proclaim His goodness and His greatness and His glory and His power and His might and His mercy and His majesty and His judgment and His wrath and His love. We proclaim Jesus as Lord to people right around us where we live and to peoples around the world. So that's what compels us to make disciples because we're surrendered to His Lordship and we want to proclaim His Lordship. So how do we make disciples then? And that's where I want to give, show you these four commands. So in Scripture, what we see in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, is there's actually only one imperative verb in this chapter. So an imperative is a command. Uh, when, when you see an imperative in Scripture, that's a do this. There's only one imperative in the original language uh, here in Matthew chapter 28, and that imperative is make disciples. And it's actually surrounded by four participles, or three participles, rather. So make disciples is surrounded by three participles. Going, the very beginning of 19, baptizing, right after it says make disciples of all nations, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Verse 20. So you've got this one word, make disciples, surrounded by participles. Going, baptizing, and teaching. And so that's where I want us to see three of these, these four kind of commands that make up the essence of the, the Great Commission. So the first one, going. So share the word. Here's the first component of disciple making. Maybe put it that way. So four components of disciple making. One, share the word. Going. What Jesus is telling these disciples to do on that mountain is to go and to share the gospel with people who've never heard it. This is so key. We, we talked about evangelism a couple messages ago in this series. That's exactly what he's telling them to do in the Great Commission here. He's telling them to go share the gospel, proclaim the gospel, evangelize. Which here we're seeing in Scripture that evangelism is a fundamental part of disciple making. Which is something we need to hear in the church today. Oftentimes in many of our discussions of disciple making in churches, we talk about discipling, but it's often uh, disconnected from evangelism and we, we're in discipleship groups and we're discipling people but it's not actively sharing the gospel with those who've never heard it uh, 
Let's, let's be sure. When Jesus was telling these disciples to go down that mountain, he wasn't telling them, hey, go down this mountain and start discipling each other for the rest of your lives. No, he was telling them to go and make the gospel known to other people. Go evangelism. Go, go, go evangelize. Go share the gospel. Lead people to Christ. And so this is where I want to encourage you in a very practical way. Okay, how are you making disciples in your life? To start with, who are you sharing the gospel with? Now I think about some of our uh, missionaries around the world through the IMB who live in really difficult places, dangerous places even for the spread of the gospel. When somebody comes to Christ, they're coming to Christ at great cost to them, at great risk to them. They could be totally rejected by their family. They could be persecuted by their family, persecuted by the government. They could be put in prison. They could lose their life, literally, for trusting in Christ. And many times those missionaries, when they lead somebody to Christ, will encourage them, okay, now that you've come to Christ, I mean, this is the day you come to Christ, make a list of all the people you know who don't know Christ, which is tons of people, if not everybody, in their sphere of influence. So encourage them to make a list of all the people they know who don't know Christ. And then the next exhortation is circle the five or ten people on that list that are least likely to hurt or kill you if you share the gospel with them. And start sharing the gospel with them immediately. And so that's the exhortation they are given So in light of that picture, I want to encourage you as a follower of Christ, would you today, just in your life, just make a list of all the people in your sphere of influence who don't know Christ? Just list them out. So it could be family, it could be friends, neighbors, co-workers, everybody in your sphere of influence who either you you don't know if they know Christ or you know they don't know Christ. So put them down on that list. And then I want to encourage you, to circle at least a few. You're likely not in a situation where those people could threaten you, hurt you, kill you, uh, or would do that for sharing the gospel with them. So praise God that you're not in that situation. So all the more reason. So circle some people that you're going to say, okay, over the next week, over the next month, I'm going to be intentional to share the gospel with these people. I'm going to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them. I'm going to pray for boldness to use those opportunities, to take advantage of those opportunities, and to actually share the gospel with them. This is disciple making. So we have been commanded to make disciples. How do you make disciples? You evangelize, you, sh- you, you evangelize, you share the word with other people. You share the greatest news in all the world with other people in the world. So look at that list of people and realize God has put those people in your life for a reason. He loves those people so much. Like He desires them to know Him. He loves them so much that He's put you in their life with the opportunity to share the good news of Christ with them. So make disciples. How? Start sharing the gospel with people. So share the word. That's where disciple making starts, but it's not where disciple making stops. So I think we have a tendency, uh, if we're not careful, to kind of say, okay, we evangelize, and that's all that's important. So somebody makes a decision, raise their hand, prays a prayer, whatever it might be, and it's like, okay, they're a Christian. Now we can move on. Let's find other people who don't know Christ. But that's not what Scripture teaches about disciple making. So yes, Scripture, disciple making involves evangelism, but it doesn't stop there. So share the word. Second component of disciple making is show the word. Show the word. And this is where I want to bring in, so what Scripture's teaching here, going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Think with me, why would baptism be so significant in the Great Commission? In essence of disciple-making, why is baptism so important? Think about it. 
baptism is according to scripture acts chapter 2 romans chapter 6 the picture there uh matthew chapter 3 jesus example all these places in scripture we see baptism is described in scripture as the public identification in our lives that we are followers of christ identification with his person and with the gospel, I mean, the very picture, Romans chapter 6, of we're, we're put in water as a picture of death to sin and self. We're raised out of the water as a picture of life. We've been raised to life with Christ. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 2 a few weeks ago. And baptism is a picture of we're publicly identified with Christ. His death, his life, his death, burial, resurrection, that we now live with him. We're with him. We're followers of his. But it goes even deeper than that. So it's identification with the life of Christ and with the body of Christ because baptism is something that happens in the context of the church as a part of the community of believers who are also identified with him. So when we're baptized, we're saying, I belong to Christ as a member of his body, the church. And that is so significant when we think about disciple-making what it means to make disciples. We lead people to Christ. We share the word in order they might believe the gospel. When they believe the gospel, we see them baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we want them to begin to see their life identified not just with Christ, but with His body, with a community of faith that's going to help them grow in the life they now have in Christ. That's where we start to realize, and you see it all over Scripture. We'll talk about this more when we get to church and defining that term, but God has designed for disciples to be in churches where they grow in discipleship as a member of the church, where they see in the church what it looks like to follow Christ, where they see models, examples of what it means to pursue Christ, to grow, and all the things we talked about last week, transformed mind, transformed affections, transformed will, transformed relationships, as they see that in others, and you show them what it looks like to follow Christ in action, they begin to, to have those things be realities in their own life. Think about it this way. Imagine you were to lead somebody to Christ tomorrow. That by God's grace, one of the people who you know, have you written out, and you've said, I want to share the gospel with that person, and you share the gospel with them, and they believe in Christ. How is that new believer going to begin to grow in Christ? How is that new believer going to learn to study the Bible, for example? Well, I mean, you, you could give them some books on Bible study or kind of recommend they go to this particular Bible study, and that would be helpful for sure. But wouldn't it be far more helpful if you sat down with your Bible and you said, here's how I study the Bible. I read a chapter of Scripture. Here's the questions I ask to understand what the Word is saying. Here's, uh, how I, here's the questions I ask to think about how it applies to my life. Here's that, uh, how that affects the way I pray. Here's that, uh, how that affects the decisions I make. Here's what I do when I don't understand something in the Word. And you show them how to study the Bible. So show the Word. Show what the life of Christ looks like in action. How does, what does it look like to have Jesus' words abide in you? Let me show you. How's that new believer going to learn to pray? I mean, you could, you could give them some books on prayer or some resources on prayer. Hey, here's a sermon on prayer to listen to. And yeah, those things would be helpful. But wouldn't it be far more helpful just to invite them into your quiet time and say, I want to show you how I pray. I want to show you what I've learned about the role of prayer, uh, praise in prayer and confession in prayer and intercession in prayer. And here's the things that I've learned. Uh, here's, sometimes my mind starts to wander in prayer. And so here's how I've learned to keep my focus in prayer. Uh, so you show them how to pray. Now, 
You start thinking about that. Every fast of the Christian life, how can you show them how to follow Christ? And you start to realize, wait a second, in order to show somebody else how to study the Bible, I've got to actually know how to study the Bible. In order to show somebody else how to pray, I've got to be like praying. And you start to realize that God has designed disciple-making not just for others to grow in Christ. He's actually designed disciple-making for us to grow in Christ. Because you start to realize, in order to show other people how to follow Christ, I have to be growing in my relationship with Christ. God's got this whole thing rigged. He's designed disciple-making not just for others' good, but for your own good. I'm convinced every Christian, every follower of Jesus... We will plateau in our relationship with Christ. We'll hit a ceiling above our heads and when it comes to our growth in Christ as long as we're just living for ourselves. But if we're living to see other disciples grow in the image of Christ, grow in the Word, grow in prayer, grow in evangelism, grow in disciple making themselves, how are they going to learn to make disciples? You show them what it looks like to make disciples. I remember the first time I ever shared the gospel. It's when a mentor of mine, so I was in uh, middle school at this point, and uh, me and a buddy of mine were uh, uh, out of school for the day, and he called us up and he said, hey, you, you and your buddy want to go uh, to the uh, go-kart track and arcade and hang out for a few hours? We are like, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, we met him there and uh, got a ride over there, met him there, and when we showed up, he had a video camera, and we were like, what's the video camera for? He said, well, we're going to interview some people, some of the other teenagers here at the go-kart place and arcade. And, and so me and my buddy are looking at each other like, uh, well, are we going to like get to play games and do go-kart? And he's like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry. We're, we'll get to that. So, uh, so we start going around with him. And he, uh, he'll, he, he'd pull out the video camera and he would, uh, he would ask teenagers what they believe about God or what they believe about spiritual things. And then he'd start start sharing the gospel with them. Well, after he'd done this two or three times, he got to a point where he was asking this one, he needed some questions, then finished asking the questions, put the video camera down and said, well, it's interesting some of the things you're saying because my friend David here, uh, he has a relationship with God through Jesus. Would uh, David, why don't you share with him what you know about who Jesus is and what it means to have a relationship with God? And so all of a sudden, I was thrust into the situation where I'd seen this modeled in front of me for the last few minutes and then I was now thrust into an opportunity to do the same thing and I started sharing the gospel with this teenager who I'd never met until that point and I'm so thankful for somebody who showed me what it looks like to do evangelism so how how do people grow in Christ they've got to see what that growth looks like in others' lives. That's what the church is about. That's what disciple-making is about. So my encouragement is, as we think about disciple-making then in our own lives, okay, so who are we leading to Christ? How can we lead people to Christ? That's first part, sharing the Word. But then second, show the Word. As people come to Christ, how, do we, how are we showing them what it looks like to follow Christ? Which then leads to the third component, so teaching people to obey everything Christ has commanded us. So teach the Word. How do you make disciples? You share the word, you show the word. Third, you teach the word. Teaching people to obey everything Christ has commanded us. So when you hear teaching here, don't just think like standing in front of a group of people and and giving a sermon. Like, yes, that's teaching. But the teaching that's talking about, that Jesus is talking about here is more kind of as you go in the context of relationship. Think Deuteronomy chapter 6 when uh, God's talking uh, to his people about the word, how it should saturate their conversations when they're walking on the streets. So it's, it's constantly saying, what the word has taught me, I now want to pass on to others. So here's the question I ask all the time when it comes to 
teaching in disciple making? Are you a receiver of the word or a reproducer of the word? Are you a receiver or a reproducer? And here's the difference. Uh, go with me for a second to uh, South Sudan, where uh, I remember sitting with a group of uh, followers of Christ in a mud hut and just teaching the word to them. And the whole time I'm teaching them, I hardly ever see their faces. And it's not because they're kind of dozing off or just kind of looking around. It's because they're writing down every single thing I said as I was teaching the Word. And they came up to me afterwards and they said, we know we have a responsibility to take everything you've taught us, translate it into our tribe's languages, and teach it in our tribes. So they weren't just listening to receive the Word. They were listening to reproduce the Word. So come back now with me, not to South Sudan, come back to a, a church service in America where you've got people sitting in the pews or seats of a church and, uh, and many people, even, well, there's some people that are probably dozing off uh, or kind of looking around, but even people who are listening intently are oftentimes listening and just saying, okay, what can I receive from this word? How can I learn today? But if that's all we're asking, we're still missing the point of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus because it's not just, his word isn't just for us. It's for others. How do we listen in such a way that we're going to not just receive it, but reproduce it? How can we say everything we learn from the word is not just intended for me, it's going to be passed on through me to other people that I'm helping grow in Christ, to people in my family, to people in my workplace, to people in my neighborhood, people in my church, that I want to help grow in Christ. I want to teach the Word. This is what disciple making is about. It's not letting the Word stop with us. It's letting the Word spread through us. I remember when I was pastoring the church, I was pastoring before I stepped into this role, and one day at the end of the message, I was just challenging on this level, and I had in the notes page that question, will the Word stop with you, or will it spread through you? And uh, the next Sunday, uh, about a 19-year-old kid comes up to me after the service and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know how much that question just pierced me, just convicted me. I don't want the word to stop him. I want it to spread through me. So he starts pulling up his arm and he had actually gotten tattooed that week on his arm. He tattooed, will the word stop with me or spread through me? And uh, I thought, well, that'll make me think twice about what I put in the sermon notes at the end. Just kind of picture that tattooed on somebody's arm. But, but So I'm not recommending that you get this tattooed. In fact, I would recommend you not get this tattooed. But I, I am saying, may this be imprinted on your heart. The Word of God is not intended to stop with you. It's intended to spread through you, to be taught through you to other people who are growing in Christ. This is disciple-making. Every follower of Christ saying, how am, I, how am I sharing the Word? How am I showing the Word? How am I teaching the Word? Make disciples, going, baptizing, teaching people to obey everything Christ has commanded us. Now, I said from the beginning, there's four components here in disciple making. We've already hit the three participles, going, baptizing, teaching, share the word, show the word, teach the word. So what's the fourth? Well, the fourth comes from that, those last three words, make disciples of all nations. Because what Jesus is saying is you need to do this, share the word, show the word, teach the word, and you need to do it Make disciples of all nations. So here's the fourth component of disciple making. Serve the world. Serve the world. Like, do disciple making. Share the word, show the word, teach the word. With an intentional focus on seeing disciples made in all the nations. 
among all the peoples. Now, what's interesting is the word Jesus uses for nations there. It's not nations like we think of nations today, like geopolitical entities, about 200 or so united in the United Nations today. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I mean, when Jesus was speaking that, the United States of America and tons of other nations today did not exist at that point. The word he uses there is ethne, and like from which we get ethnic groups And that's why we talk about peoples or people groups, because that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not talking about just going to geopolitical entities. He's talking about going to ethnic groups, to groups of people in the world, which makes sense. If you go to a major city in North America, go to New York, for example. So that's one city in one nation. But there are tons of different ethnicities, different groups of people who speak different languages, have different cultures. And you look around the world, yeah, there's 200 or so geopolitical nations, but anthropologists and mission scholars have identified over 11,000 different distinct groups of people in the world who share common language and cultural characteristics, people groups. And Jesus has said, I'm commanding you as my disciples to make disciples in every single one of those people groups of all the people groups. So this is not just a general command to make disciples among as many people as possible. It is a specific command to make disciples among every people group in the world. So this is why, I'm going to go back to where we started, where left off in the last message, thinking about Dr. Rankin's counsel to me that, yes, David, you're passionate about the spread of the gospel of nations, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're to be a missionary To be a follower of Jesus is to be passionate about seeing disciples made among all the people groups of the world, among all the nations of the world, which means as disciple makers, what does that mean? Well, practically that means serve the world. So we're, we're praying for the spread of the gospel to the nations, that you are constantly praying for the spread of the gospel to all the people groups of the world. That you use a resource like Operation World or Joshua Project or IMB app to be exposed to different people groups in the world who have never heard the gospel. And to say, how, how, can, how can I be a part of the spread of the gospel to the nations serving the world? I can start by on my knees every morning. Like I was praying this morning for the Thai people, Northern Thailand, who... Two plus million strong, very few believers among them. People, a people group where there are hardly any disciples of Christ. God, we pray, I pray that disciples will be made among that people. So we pray like that and we give, we give of our resources for the spread of the gospel. We give, we look for opportunities to see the gospel spread to those people groups. And then we go, we're open to going to them. Maybe short term, maybe uh, God will lead us, different ones of us, to go for a short amount of time, a week or two, here or there, to be a part of seeing disciples made in another part of the world or among a different people group in the world. We go, maybe maybe not just short term, maybe what we call an IMB midterm. So over course of a few months or a couple of years to say, I want to go and be a part, spend a summer uh, as a student, uh, spend a semester going to a place in the world, take a gap year, take a year or two and go to a place in the world and see disciples made or open to go in long term and, and moving your life to another place in the world to see disciples made and not just limiting the people who are doing that to those who l- leave their jobs and kind of 
Sell everything and go, which yes, the Lord is calling many people and many people are doing that. And the Lord's calling more people to go leave their jobs and go live for the spread of the gospel and disciples we made in other nations. But also think through all the opportunities there are for you to leverage your job to spread the gospel in nations, to see disciples made in the nations. There are places where you can work and, and live for the spread of the gospel in the Middle East and in North Africa, Southeast Asia and uh, East Asia, where you can go and work and get a job and live there for the spread of the gospel in that place all over the world. So the picture is every follower of Christ intended to share the word, share the gospel with people who don't know Christ, to show the word, to show what it looks like to follow Christ in action, to teach the word, to teach what God has entrusted to you from his word, to pass it on to others, and to do that with the aim ultimately of saying, God, here's my life. I want to be a part of the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth, however you want to use me. However you want to use me, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, starting right where I live, wherever you lead, here's my life. I want to make disciples of the nations. And... You pray that and you will find yourself walking in obedience to Jesus' command to make disciples of the nations. And you will find yourself experiencing God's design for your life, for your family, to be a part of the greatest purpose in all the world, seeing the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And that's why Jesus closes the Great Commission with the words he says, he says, and you do this, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You will experience the power of my presence at work in your life when you are giving yourself to this command, when you are making disciples. When you're sharing the word, you'll need my presence and you'll see the power of my presence at work. When you're showing the word, showing somebody else how to follow Christ, leading them to be baptized, gathering together in the church, showing them how to follow Christ, you will see my presence at work. When you're teaching the Word, you will see my power of my presence at work. And when you're doing this for the spread of the gospel, people who have never heard it in your community, people who have never heard it around the world, you will see the power of my presence at work. And you don't doubt for a second. I will be with you and I will enable you to make disciples who will then make disciples, who will then make disciples. This is God's plan for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it when his people are obeying this command, are giving ourselves to this this plan. So, disciple-making defined. This is the Christ-commanded, spirit-empowered duty of every disciple of Jesus to evangelize unbelievers, baptize believers, teach them the word of Christ, train them to obey Christ as members of his church who make disciples on mission to all nations. Share the word, show the word, teach the word, serve the world until the day when disciples have been made in all the nations and we gather around the throne of our King, the Lord, and we give him the praise he is due. God, help us to be faithful in this mission today in each one of our lives as we look forward to that day in eternity. Let's pray. Oh God, even uh, even thinking about disciple making as command, uh, just once again reminded that before it's command, it's privilege. The, the privilege we have to know you and to see others become followers of you, to see others enjoy you. God, we want 
We want others to know your grace, others to see your glory. So help us, we pray. Help us, help us, help us all to be faithful to your command to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Help us. Don't, don't let us get to the end of our lives as Christians and have done all kinds of good things in the church, even participated in all kinds of things, but not given ourselves to this clear command. Lord, help us to lead people to Christ, to show them how to follow Christ, to teach them to obey Christ, and to do that until every people group in the world has disciples, disciples from every nation, giving you the praise and glory you are due as our Lord. Use us toward that end, we pray. Bless us toward that end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Disciple-making is the Christ-commanded, Spirit-empowered duty of every disciple of Jesus to evangelize unbelievers, baptize believers, teach them the Word of Christ, and train them to obey Christ as members of His church who make disciples on mission to all nations. If this sermon podcast is helpful to you, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It only takes a few minutes, but it's extremely helpful in helping us grow this resource. The term calling is often used in relation to missions and missionary assignments. However, most of the time the Bible speaks of God's calling in many other ways. That's next week on Radical with David Platt. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen. We'll see you next time.